0: This is the post-game wrap-up show. All massive victories and devastating losses covered here. Inside OU on the Franchise Podcast Network.
1: Microsoft sucks, by the way. Microsoft does suck. And uh, Skype Microsoft has really does sucked. Does not suck. no, Microsoft. Suck. Skype has sucked really bad ever since Microsoft took it over. So. Yeah,
2: true that. Um, but you know what doesn't suck, guys? We're all three on the Inside OU podcast right now. For the first it's time. It's a in, miracle. For the first time, and it seems like so, so long. Uh, Rufus was busy la- uh, last week. Um, the Thunder have started playing preseason basketball, so I've been running around like a chicken with its head cut off. John is always busy, of course, as well. Um, you guys were both down, and I was down in Dallas as a fan. Um, you guys are down there doing your jobs as well. Um But yes, John Hoover, Rufus Alexander, Brady Trantham here on the Inside OU Podcast. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, Guys, this is our first podcast after OU went down and took care of business and down in the Cotton Bowl, uh, beating Texas 34-27. Just an outstanding performance, even though there were a lot of bad mistakes. And um, let's not bury the lead. Let's just get right into it, guys. And, I, like, Rufus, if you want to jump in on this, since you're the um, Defensive Player of the Year on, on the podcast, the defense is finally – we can now finally say that it's for real in terms of, like, every all the good things that we've seen all season. We can all say that it wasn't just because they were playing some average competition. This defense is for real.
3: Yeah. Um I'll, I'll say that they played pretty good. I mean, um, they, they did everything that you would uh, you want a defense to do. They came out there, and I, even before the game started, I was really kind of like, this game's going to be on their shoulders because of the offensive line problems and all that stuff and what was going on offensively before. They haven't had a cohesive unit there yet on the offensive line. So it, it may be some stops that Texas make on the offense that – Will make, they will have to make create some stops themselves and be able to play really well from the get go against Texas. And they controlled the they controlled the line of scrimmage. They got in the backfield nine sacks. It's all that you can ask for. They finally earning that scholarship that they all got <laughs> earlier on whenever they were freshmen and stuff. Because uh, it just seems like only the offense was coming to the game prepared and ready to play and be a and, and be a benefit to the team. And so now they're on the equal they're on equal footing. Um, they they was just as much the hero of that game as the offense was. They saved the offense in a lot of situations because Jalen Hurts did, did a few uncharacteristic things in that game that you was kind of like taken aback by. But those guys kept on working, and you love the way they they played and the way they finished the game.
2: Yeah, they certainly did. Kenneth Murray, DeLarian Turner, Yell, uh, Neville Gallimore, Ronnie Perkins. I mean, you just go down the, the roster, and you could say he had a good game, he had a great game, he had a good game. Um, but John, but, I, I oh go ahead, Rufus. And
3: there's some things that won't show up on the stat sheet. Is the, some of the things that Bucky radley housed did. Yeah, it the was fir- probably the first one play of his the game. Yes, he had some other ones where he where he forced the proper way, where he did the right thing. Where one of the sacks where Jalen Redmond had the not even I don't think it was a sack, but he had a big hit on the quarterback. He went out and he took out the running back right there and right then and right now took that first read that um, uh, Sam Ellinger wanted. And end up making him hold the ball and taking a big hit. So he, this is one of his better games, and the th- some of the things he did does not show up on the stat sheet for sure.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know a lot of that comes from obviously coaching, and then the players absorbing the coaching, absorbing it in film because that first play where Buki just uh, sets the edge and forces the receiver to go inside, allowing Delarian Turner Yale to have a better angle at making the tackle. That's one in the film room, and John, I really appreciate. Like, as somebody who was so fed up with the defense, I mean, just me, like every other OU fan out there, I'm not unique, but as somebody who was extremely fed up the last few years with Mike Stoops, I really appreciated the angle that you took in a lot of your articles this week that um, this was you know, 365 days in the making of this is why this game, OU Texas, is why Lincoln Riley had to let go of Mike Stoops. And now we finally see the product of Bringing in Alex Grinch, having a different voice, having a different philosophy, and allowing these players uh, to what Sam Ellinger said in the post game: be more aggressive and be athletes out there, a- allowing them to make plays. Um, Alex Grinch instilling confidence in this defense. You certainly saw it all week, but uh, just from your perspective, John, I mean, did you did you expect a def- the defense to play like this? Did you expect them to really answer the call time and time again when the offense was sputtering in the middle part of the game?
1: No, no, I can't say that I did. Um, I expected them to be better, but I I didn't know that we would be seeing um, an OU defense that looked like it was playing straight out of 2002 or something like that. You know, those guys were across the board, dialed in, locked in, playing with passion, playing with energy, playing with uh, attention and emotion. We haven't seen a lot of that over the past decade or so, really since that 2009 defense that was so good. Um, in regards to Buki, I want to, I want to address that real quick. He uh, interviewed him yesterday, uh, in regards to Buki and, and what he said during yesterday, during his, uh, his interviews, he said that he, he was, hap- this is it's not about how many plays he can make or how many hits he can make or how many, you know, turnovers he can get. It's about playing within the structure of the defense. And he, he said it was interesting. He said, if his job is to uh, contain the guy and, and folk, uh, kind of funnel the ball carrier into the linebacker or the defensive end, then that's what he's going to do. If his job is to spill the, the – contain the pressure out to the cornerback and let the cornerback make the tackle, then that's what he's going to do. He, you talk about a guy who from his freshman year to his sophomore year is, you know, a, a 180 degrees different m- mindset mentality. It's not about him. It's about the team success I think he represents as much as anybody how this uh, defense has evolved. But, but that, even with that being said, he has to be able to
3: at some point start making those plays, too. It's not just forcing the angles and stuff. You know, what? With, with, with the defenses that were in that 99 defense and the other defenses, what made him really good was they would be there to do their job. And instead of just forcing the angle, they cut they bend the corner really, really well and made it and was in on that tackle. He's he's his growth is really there. But I'm looking he has to take that next step. And maybe next year, he'll he'll take that next step because it was a process for Kenneth Murray and some of those other guys. And so hopefully right now he's understanding where he's supposed to be. But he should know that there is another step. There's another gear that he has and that he can take to where he's in on those plays and not just a force guy. He's a guy that gets there and make the play before the play is even there to be made. He he's, he diagnoses it before it's before it comes to that point to where he has to send it to somebody. He's the guy making that play. So there's another gear for the young fellow and I, I believe he can he can get there. He just got to keep on focusing and keep on doing it the way he's doing it right now.
2: I mean, yeah, you guys make both spectacular points just because I mean for what Jalen Hurts and the rest of the team has been saying, uh, going back on Monday at the press conferences, um, like the season's not over. They didn't win anything. They haven't really, they haven't proven anything other than they've been better than the six teams that they have played, which is exactly where they want to be right now. But it's still going to be a process. Um, mistakes are going to be made in the future. The defense isn't going to play perfect every game. The offense isn't going to play perfect every game. So there's going to be a time where Buki does have to make plays. There's going to be a time where Parnell Motley has to make a few more plays than just being in position. So, um, overall, like you're, you're right, Rufus, John, you're right as well. It it was just, I, I don't know. Like, I think I told you, John, last week on the pod that we did prior to the OU Texas game. Um, to me, it just came down to oh, OU just cannot shoot themselves in the foot, and what I meant by that was when it's third and long and Sam Ellinger throws a jump ball to the boundary, don't run in, don't face guard and run into the receiver and give them a cheap, easy first down. Like don't allow them to pick up first downs when you've put them into a a pass only position. Um, that didn't happen, but Jalen Hurts was the guy who was shooting OU in the foot with uh, the fumble, which was you – know, it's an unfortunate play. The guy put the helmet right on the ball. I mean, but Jalen needs to be a little bit better with the ball security, of course. And then that bad, ill-advised throw off his back foot into the end zone. It was just – I was sitting in the uh, – What you mean? It
3: wasn't, a back, it wasn't off his back foot. The man threw it across his body. Across his body. Mm-hmm. you talking about like, that one, the interception? Yeah, he threw it back. He went all the way right and threw it all the way back left where everybody's yeah. coming to the right. I was like, whoa. And man, you, don't, you, don't, you usually see – you only usually see freshmen make that that mistake thinking they, they can thread the ball wherever they want to thread it. But that kid, I mean, you don't expect him to make that type of play. And he knew it when he threw it. <laughs> he, I mean, I'm sure he knew it whenever he threw it that, ah, right, man, you know what? I shouldn't have thrown that ball.
2: Yeah, and but then it goes into uh, with the defense. They answered the call every time. Like, yeah, Texas scored. Um, what was it? 10-3 to 3 at the half. Um, that game of course it's been said already. You guys probably agree that game should have been at least 17, nothing, 17, three, 21, three, whatever at half. Like the game should have been well decided going into the third quarter, just with the way O. E. was playing. It was just those two big mistakes. Um, but it just really showcased all the vast improvements that the defense has made because I mean, if this was last year, Oh boy, <laughs> if this was two years ago, Oh boy, it, it, the snowball effect just—it yeah. it hasn't touched the defense yet, and like Rufus, mm-hmm. I like—I don't—I don't even know what to chalk that up to. I mean, it's not all Alex Grinch because these guys, these players, are out there performing. These guys are the—they—it's their job to execute, it's, and they're doing it. It's just—it's hard to pinpoint it all on one simple thing. But I don't even think that you can I'll, realistically.
3: I can realistically put pinpoint it to like what I've been telling you guys earlier when it came to Mike Stoops and. To all the guys that were on staff, they wasn't a cohesive unit. This coaching staff is all on one accord. the, the same way that the defenses is is a reflection of what their coaching staff is. This is the reflection of what Mike Stoops and and that defense they had together was a reflection of that coaching staff. That's all guys that are not on the same playing field. Those those guys that are not talking about the same things are are moving in the right in the same direction. And this defense now, there are selfless defenses. Just the same way with this coaching staff, you can talk to Coach Odom, to Coach Grinch, to Coach Manning, to Coach Thibodeau, as well as Coach uh, Ruffin McNeil. All those guys are on the same playing field. Three of those guys I know are, I mean, two of those guys I know for sure are psychotic. And <laughs> and Coach uh, Odom and Coach Grinch, those guys are. I mean, they are some cussing. Some god, they go at you. And, and Coach Manning is as passionate as they come as far as a coach goes. And so all those guys are all moving like pretty much in the same the same situation, same motion. All those guys are doing everything the same way. They're preaching it to those kids the same way. They're coaching them in film the same way. And so it doesn't surprise you when they get on the film, they they, they, sh- they look and, and play and talk just like their coaching staff. Everything is about winning and moving forward and, and doing what's right for the team, doing what's right for their buddy next to them. Doing their job, taking care of themselves, and if I take care of my job, I'll be I'll be I'll be in line, and I'll help out my brother that's right here next to me, and that's all you that's all you can ask for when it comes to, you know, to the game. That's all you can ask for when it comes to the coaching staff. I mean, it's that's and is it is that simple. I'm telling you guys, it is that simple. The way those guys are playing right now, the coaching staff is all together. You don't have a lot of separatism on this coaching staff right now. Yeah,
1: Rufus, on my uh, on my other podcast, the Locked On Sooners podcast that I do every day, uh, I I gave uh, I handed out the uh, midseason report cards today, and I gave the coaching staff an A plus. Number one, yeah. because L- Lincoln Riley hired Alex Grinch. Number two, because Alex Grinch hired Roy Manning and Brian Odom, and Calvin Thibodeau's coaching of the defensive line has been exquisite uh Lincoln oh, Riley's that's only Tibbs, Tibbs that's a big ass. thing right
0: there.
3: Tibbs is kicked. Ass. Yeah, and that's a
1: big thing right
3: there. It's, Absolutely. You can really go into the tip thing in the last year and see how anemic his defensive line was yeah. and going to this year it's
1: crazy. Yeah. Complete reversal. Uh, the only thing that you could knock the and get this. This is amazing to me. The only thing that you could really knock the coaching staff for is Lincoln Riley's play calls. Some of his play calls have been just head-scratchers. Now, when you consider what a brilliant play caller he is and what a brilliant offensive mind he is and how good he is at coaching quarterbacks, and that's what you're knocking the OU coaching staff for, that's how good that coaching staff has been this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's play calling, Kansas at the end of the first half, um, sporadically here and there, mainly during the third quarter of the Texas game, um,
3: it, what? The Texas game was the head-scratcher. I don't know, man. It seems like they could have run forever if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, like a kind of abandoning, not not necessarily the complete running game, because Jalen Hurts rushed, rushed for over 130. Um, but in terms of not getting Kennedy Brooks, uh, Trey Sermon, who didn't even pick um, get a carry for whatever reason, but Kennedy <laughs> Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson, not giving those guys any looks uh, in the middle part of the game when OU was still... Well, and like by the third quarter, like there was a fear that oh, OU could lose the game. Of course, but it was only going to be because like, is the offense going to keep turning the ball over? Because I had complete confidence by the third quarter that the defense could get plenty of stops to put the offense in position to score. So I didn't necessarily agree with not returning to the traditional run game. Thought that he kind of abandoned it a little bit, but Lincoln's done that here and there throughout his career um, since or since he's been at, um, at OU. So it's I guess something that you kind of get with Lincoln, but overall, um he's still adjusted. I mean that 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 play that flea flicker to get CD Lamb wide open 20 yards downfield and give him open field mm-hmm. to make moves, just that's when you think of Lincoln Riley as a play caller and you hear like genius, innovator, you that's the type of play that you think of.
1: Yeah, and his I think the whole go ahead, go ahead, John. His uh his I don't know if you'd call it dependence or his willingness, his insistence to run CD Lamb in motion on oh, yeah. probably seventy percent of the plays, maybe sixty percent of the offensive plays. A lot of it was window dressing. A lot of it was to concern the defense over something that wasn't really going to happen. But a lot of it too is to is to find a, and isolate a mismatch and 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 get CD Lamb on a linebacker, get CD Lamb on a safety, uh, get CD Lamb on a defensive mismatch, and and the the flea flicker. You know, you, th- you throw in a crazy flea flicker off of C.D. Lamb motion and the Texas defense is completely lost. You saw how wide open he was and how discombobulated they were once he caught the football. <laughs> that was brilliant coaching by by Lincoln Riley to continue to to, to exploit that C.D. Lamb in motion. I'm writing about that for the franchise, uh, thefranchiseok.com, a little bit later in the week. Yeah, and I think with that motion, I think it was more used like
3: it was a triple option. Um, just a little different kind of variation of it because all it was, was reading the guys in the middle. If the linebackers that were in the inside would stay heavy inside, he re- he read it all the way across and he will let, he will give the ball to Kennedy Brooks and it allowed those guys cause they TG, the, the TG, like the tackle guard pole situation wasn't happening quick enough. They didn't have enough time. Those guys are not as good as the other guys of pass of getting around, fast enough. Yeah. So what you do is I'ma occupy the guys in the middle and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it and see where these where these linebackers go. If they stay heavy inside for the way it'll part in the middle for Jalen Hurts, then I give it and I ride it all the way across and I let him go and he gets the outside. If they shoot out shoot to the outside and the other guys on the backside crash down hard, that means C D Lamb is one on one with the safety coming out of the coming way from out of the midfield. And then if the guys part with C D Lamb motion and they go with Kennedy Brooks Jalen Hurts take it right up the middle like when he scored on that touchdown so it was is a it's a unique way of a different variation of a triple option and all you're doing is reading the linebackers in the middle and you can go back and watch that game and watch Jalen Hurts if he makes the right read a lot of times it's giving giving it keeping it pulling it and running with it it's all there and it's a really unique twist that he had to it And Texas didn't have an answer for it and it's it's like Lincoln Riley did some stuff to help out that offensive line. Who's not a hundred percent right now too. like moving those linebackers and stuff. So they don't tee off on them all game long.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting roofs that you bring up the offensive line because like, yeah, uh, the guard, the tackle guard pull counterplay that OU loves to do with their uh, running backs. They're not necessarily there athletically, maybe just yet, you know, who knows if they're ever going to be there to the extent that we've seen over the last few years, uh, with Bill, Bill Beanbow's offensive line. But, this had to be the first game this season that the offensive line played this was their best game. And a lot of that was just because there weren't stupid holding penalties. There weren't um I did the offensive line even get flagged this game? I can't remember. Not even for a false start.
3: I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think man I think Lincoln Riley held them back a little bit. They could have he could have let them impose their will on Texas and he just kind of I'm going to give you a little bit. Nah, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to give you a little bit. Nah, I'm going to take it back. I thought he could have let him totally dominate that game if he wanted to.
2: Yeah, I mean, what what do you guys think? Because there there was a part of me that felt like that Lincoln was a little conservative with the play calling, you know, except for like just randomly throughout the game. It it seemed like it was a little bit on the conservative side, but I don't know how much of that was just because you've got guys like Swenson and Adrian Ely who are they're, they played in the game. They played the entire game, but they're obviously dealing with some injuries that they might be trying to overcome at, at that point. So it just, To me, it seemed like it was a little conservative. Like he scored when he game. wanted to.
3: Yeah. Like he scored when he needed to.
2: It's almost I think that's actually true. I feel like every time Texas scored, didn't know you score on their next drive. I think that's true. Is that right? I believe that's true. I don't
3: know, I don't know John. I think because the defense came out, it was ten ten and a half. Defense comes out and stops them. And they scored, right? That next, the next drive.
2: The game was only ever tied, I believe, at 10-10. OU led the entire game. It was never Texas. Never Texas. Never led.
1: Never, uh, never led. Yeah. Yeah. The three, the three touchdowns. Um, you're right. Uh, except for the last one, except for the very last one, which shouldn't uh, have counted. Yeah. Well, I've heard God. that too. So. <laughs>
2: Why shouldn't that have counted? Because that wasn't roughing the passer.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think but they're going to call it. Is, it is. We can argue the merits of whether that was roughing the passer or not. I think they're going to call that every time. There was a little bit of upper body contact in terms of one face mask kind of clanging into the other face mask. It wasn't like he lowered his head or targeted, but he did. There was contact, and so they will. They'll call that every yeah. time now.
2: Well, as with, all, as with all these debates and conversations about what call should, should be called or shouldn't be called, I mean, if they're not going to call Kenneth Murray clotheslining the guy on the jailbreak screen like he did against Houston and then like he did on the second or third play against Texas. Young man, that
3: is not a penalty.
2: <laughs> no, it, it's that not. not a penalty. It's not I've a penalty. Done it. it's I've not a done pe- it plenty of times. It's, it's not a penalty. It's not a penalty because he didn't touch the helmet. He didn't actually clothesline him, but like live – that's certainly a play that you could you would understand why an official would throw a flag instinctively because it looks violent. Um, my, it, it wouldn't be the right call. Is,
3: my problem is, it's high risk, low reward. I mean, it's a high risk play. He, I mean, his probability of missing that tackle is very high. Yeah. And he's he's making that tackle every now and then, but it's sometimes hes gonna is gonna come a point in time where that'll come back to haunt him whenever he goes up hot a few times in games it's come it's come back to haunt him a few times in game by his angle of going high but the thing what i really love about Kenneth Murray though he he's done a better job of changing his angles and how he relates to people cuz he's there on a lot of things now early the first few games if you all remember he would over, he was overrunning things and guys were cutting back inside of him again and it started to look a little bit more like last year and this year like i said before on the radio is like he's He's growing throughout the year within this defense, taking better angles, relating the routes better, diagnosing plays better. By this time last year, I think Kenneth Murray started regressing and going the opposite direction. He wasn't getting better in the defense.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean by now everyone's seen all those awesome highlights of him just uh, closing on a a wide receiver screen or on Sam Ellinger trying to pick up a, a first down with his legs on a third down. Just the closing speed is—I mean, Kenneth—that had to be one of the first games where he played like he looks, because he's always looked like a like All a right. like a Sunday linebacker, and he looked like right. it. Right
1: now, he... who you
2: think he wins the focus?
1: Um, no, I don't think he will. I think I'm not sure who will. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert on who the best linebackers in the country are. But John, you are but an I think expert. Cal, the wow.
3: Cal and Ohio State guys—the two guys you got to look at—maybe the guys that'll be above him.
1: There's, there's a, is, isn't there a, a linebacker at Georgia? One at Clemson. One at uh, Alabama. One at Ohio yeah. State. And I think those guys are probably just based on. And one, I mean, at and one, one at Cal. And Oh yeah, no, absolutely right. Yes. Um, so, so he would actually be the front runner. You're right. But the guy yeah. Cal is the front runner. I know they've been talking about him for a minute. So he's. Mm-hmm. But
3: the the offenses are right now. Turner Yale has led the team in tackles the past, with well, two or three games anyway.
1: Yeah, and Kenneth only had five against Texas, yeah. and so I mean w- w- that shocked me when I looked at that. I was I was expecting like fifteen, and I looked at the stat sheet, and I'm like five, and they were all solos. They were all in out there in like open field almost, so they were all impactful, and two of them were for loss. So, but but yeah. it just seemed he was at the middle or at the center of every good thing that Oklahoma's defense did. So it made made it look like he had a lot more tackles than he did.
3: Yeah, I said the same thing. I'm like, man, you only had five tackles? But Turner Yell, I think, was the guy for the game. He was the most impactful player of the game because he shut down the player that makes Texas offense go. He They shut down – he and Buki and Kenneth Murray together shut down Duvernay on the outside. And that's a guy that Ellinger likes to hit on the bubble screens and all that, difference, all that stuff. And when he was eliminated or, or pretty much uh, held in check, their offense sputtered a lot. And they try to get the ball to him in a lot of different ways. The kid, that, the kid didn't even have a drop in a game, and he was getting dropped for like negative yards. So they held that in check, and I think that was one of the big keys to their to them winning that game.
2: Yeah, DTY played by far his best game of the year, um, especially like. When I remember the podcast that we did after the South Dakota game, I mean, my biggest concern for him was like he missed two or three tackles where he had the guy dead to rights and it just bounced, the dude just bounced right off of him. And it looked like last year. I'm like, if we're going to have, you know, 10, 11 more games of this, this is going to get, this could get ugly. And he has just made vast improvements in the way that he's like his tackling fundamentals because you saw it on display all game. And just like you said, Rufus, shutting down Duvernay. Shutting him down, taking away the easy jump balls um, on, on on the sideline. Colin Johnson, um, just playing with aggression, playing with athleticism, like allowing the Do secondary think, to make plays.
3: Over you think uh, you think Grinch's move with teasing them with um, teasing them with moving um, what's his name over the wide receiver Bridges oh, over yeah, to Trajan the to safety, Tra- moving Trajan Bridges over, saying we don't have the, what we need at. At safety, so I'm going to take a wide receiver and put him over here. That motivation right there, yeah. coaches that can do that, that knows how to do those things and push those little buttons, it's kind of almost like an NFL move, right? Well, okay, my D-tackles playing wrong. Well, I'm going to get like 10 guys in here and start working them out, see how everything goes. And, you, and I'm going to open the door and make sure every time the D-tackles come out of their room, the meeting room, they're going to see all these D-tackles in here running around and getting ready to try to get, trying to get added on the team so they can take their spot.
1: I thought that was in retrospect, that was brilliant. We were wondering at the time, what the heck, what's he doing? What are they doing messing with this kid? You know that but they talked throughout the preseason. They talked throughout the first uh, three, four games about the safety position being um, the the coaches wouldn't say it was the weak link, but you could tell it was the weak link, but the the coaches talked about needing more depth and needing somebody to come over, needing somebody to come up. Now you you hear about Robert Barnes, possibly potentially redshirting. So, when you consider all that stuff together as a whole and just think about how we were on this podcast saying, yeah, the safeties are the weak link. Those guys got better. Those guys, because of the amount of reps that they had to, they were forced to take because there was no depth behind them. They got better. They evolved their game. Their their game evolved to where they're now one of the strengths of this team. And and I, I did not think we'd be saying that to Turner. Yale had 10 tackles to lead the team. Pat Fields had seven tackles and he was second on a team against against uh, Texas.
2: Had a, he had a game driving or a game killing sack
1: on for the second blitz. week in a row for on a delayed blitz for the second week in a row. He, he had a quarterback sack that was absolutely enormous. They're Great finding ways goal. absolutely, and they and the coaches are finding ways to utilize these guys if they if they are limited. If they are only five ten, whatever. If they are not that fast. If they're whatever their limitations are, the coaches are finding ways to exploit their strengths. That's another uh, reflection to me on how good the coaching staff has been.
3: Yeah, I mean, if- yeah, Pat- Patrick Phils his his delayed blitz. It's his knowledge of the defense. When that when that running back because he had the running back man to man. When that running back stepped up in the hole, he took off, and it, it looked it looked it, it. And that's the same thing he did in KU. He had the he had the running back man to man and he took off and he went and he pulled his trigger that is that is great that is a really good understanding of the defense and trusting what your coach is telling you i mean that wasn't the, that wasn't the situation last year That wasn't the situation the year before so you got to love the things
2: that these guys are doing yeah no question and like john you kind of said it a little bit earlier like um, you didn't expect to be in this position like talking like glowingly about the safeties because of everything that was said in the preseason, everything that we've talked about on this podcast in, over the first few games, but they've basically done what you're supposed to do as an athlete. They've improved. We're, we are just not used to being able to even be in that stratosphere with the safeties because of the last few years. What you see mm. in the first week or so is about as good as it's going to get unless they're Absolutely studs, and OU hasn't had, they haven't had studs at the safety position over the last few years, so what you saw in the first few weeks was as good as you're going to get, and it would progressively get worse. DTY and Patrick Fields have made subtle improvements. Are they Are they all Americans? No. Are they all conference guys? No. Maybe they could be if things break their way and they keep improving. But, you know, the tackling, keeping guys in front of them, uh, not making silly mistakes with penalties, uh, running into receivers before the ball gets there, all those things you can clean up. And that comes from competent coaching, and that comes from the coaching staff, what you said, Rufus, all being of one mind and instilling confidence in these guys and reminding them, yeah, you guys sucked the last few years, but you still play football at the University of Oklahoma. You can go out there and make plays, and they, they did that all day Saturday.
3: You are correct. I mean, <laughs> I have nothing else to add to that. I mean, I don't have nothing else to add to that. I mean, you're correct with that and how these guys, how they did and how the coaching staff is coaching those guys up. I mean, Patrick Fields, I think he can be a guy that, can, that's, that will continue to grow, um, but I mean – do you going to get some depth back next year and stuff? I mean, we're already talking about next year, but I think these kids are playing excellent, and they believe now. They believe that they belong, and once you get a, get those guys to start believing, now you got to continue to feed that hunger and that desire in those kids, and allow them to keep on playing uh, uh, free free football, but also keep their heads in the game, keep them level headed. Continue to let these guys know, hey, look, you haven't arrived. You're a game away from everybody saying you stink again. That's, I mean, that's got to be the mentality. You, you got to keep on moving. You got to keep on working. That same kind of have that same attitude, that same drive that you've had whenever everybody told you you stink all year long, and said, "Hey, you're gonna be better." But hey, y'all gonna only be about maybe five or six spots better or whatever. Those guys are now in the top 50. They're a the top 40 team right now, in defense. Yeah, they haven't been a top 40 defense in a long time, guys.
1: That's right. The um, the 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 statistics
3: actually ranked. They're actually ranked in passing defense because I think before they was like they're not even on the they're not even on the stratosphere in the passing defense. They actually ranked passing defense this year as well.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable the the change and how I'm about to how, cry. Im- <laughs> how impactful they are. The statistic that will jump out to me forever in this OU Texas game was is simple: seventy three offensive plays by Texas and 47% of those, 34 total plays, went for two yards or less. That is an indication of chasing everybody's mentality to chase the football, as well as sure tackling, as well as just fanatical effort. Those are things that, we've, that we haven't seen out of the Oklahoma defense. Even playing against bad teams, you didn't see that kind of just absolute line of scrimmage, you're not going anywhere type of dominance. I think that's the one of the biggest changes we'll see. Nine sacks was unreal. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. 15 tackles for loss. They're setting all time records. The, the Tied for the most. Good records ever.
2: this time, John. Yeah, Not good, bad good ones. Good records. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, tied for the most ever. I, I want to go back. I, Oklahoma has won in its history 902, three, 903 football games. Okay, think about that. 900 football games. They've played Texas 115 times. The numbers that we saw out of out of Saturday, where you had nine quarterback sacks and 15 tackles for lost, are some of the best that we've ever seen from any Oklahoma defense. That just that's mind blowing to me. And it was the f- 15 tackles for loss was by 14 different guys. It wasn't like you know Tommy Harris was in there throwing guys around. It wasn't like there was you know uh, even a, like a Dusty Dvorak or or uh, Gerald McCoy or somebody like that was just tossing guys. No, it was a fanatical team effort. I think that's what Alex Grinch has been after ever since he arrived. But but I will couch it all by saying this. It was Lincoln Riley who saw, himself who said Monday, guys, it was just one game. Yep. They're not they're not giving out the national championship just yet. So there's still work to be done.
2: No, yeah, you're right, John. And I, I kind of feel like with the leadership on the roster, whether it's from Lincoln Riley saying that, Alex Grinch saying that, Jalen Hurts. Trumpeting the company line of "we're not where we want to be," um, I, I kind of jokingly tweeted during the game uh, after he threw that interception that I look forward to his opening press or his opening statement at his <laughs> press conference on Monday, thinking like it's gonna this is gonna get worse and worse, isn't it? But he ha- he actually had one. And he said the same stuff that he's always said, but just from a leadership standpoint, I think they all w- very well understand that and what Rufus said earlier. They just now believe now, and I think that that's. That, that's the important thing, because if there was any doubt whatsoever that, you know, we've come into the Cotton Bowl the last few years, the better team, but Texas has punched us in the mouth, and we haven't responded well, and we've lost a few games that we should have won. That's been taken care of now. The facade that Texas is the more physical, dominating team, that's been taken away at this point, in my opinion. And now OE believes, and so now that all they need to do is continue to take care of business and continue to improve, and everything should be able to take care of itself, but like, one more quick thing on the defense um, before we get over to the offense for a little bit, guys. One of my favorite things from the game is, like like you guys just said, the nine sacks. I feel like it took it was nine sacks with not, in nine opportunities where OU defenders were in perfect position to make a sack on Sam Ellinger because last year there were a few plays on a second and long or a third and long where um, a guy would be right in Sam Ellinger's face. Ellinger is mobile enough to make a man miss. He would make the guy miss and then – Run forward for about eight or nine yards and make it third or fourth and manageable. And when it's third and fourth and manageable with Texas, they're probably going to be able to get that short yarded situation cause that's what they're good at. But OU, every time they were right in Sam Ellinger's face, they caught him, they forced him out of bounds, or they got the sack. So it's just all those little attention to detail plays where when you've got the opportunity, they seized it. And that's what I've wanted to see out of this yeah. defense for so long. And I finally got to see it on Saturday.
3: And my my last thing about them is this: is I mean, is it just one game that they that this is who they are one game, and that they give put all this effort in because they've been punched in the mouth, or this is who they are, this is how they are going to continue to be the rest of the year? And I think Lincoln Riley said that, and and Coach Green said that: is is this is who we are going to be, or this is because hey, this is the be- one of the biggest game, and we have to really get up for this game. You got to be able to get up with, for that all the time, and let's hope that they can they can do that.
1: That was the most interesting thing that Lincoln said in his press conference yesterday to me, and that was, um, it does this th- this week coming up, West Virginia is is the most important week of the year. It will reveal the most about our team uh, of any week of the year. And he's talking specifically because it comes after after the Texas game. He said, <clears throat> what you're saying, Rufus, is this who we are?" or is this who we just were against Texas because because we played Texas that's what Lincoln Riley wants to know and uh I just been. think about this guys they ran Texas ran for 100 yards they averaged 4.2 yards per play which is not good if uh if Roshan Johnson gets tackled in the backfield like he should on that 57 yarder think about what the numbers look like then
3: all right i'm with you man is he to look you always knew the identity of our defense back in the day. You always knew, hey, when you're going to play against OU's defense, they're a tough-ass defense, and they're going to be ready to play. Right now you have this defense that's there right now, and they, they're developing their new identity. Who is this new OU defense? Who's going to start this new legacy or this new generation of good defenses for – for OU because that's what that's what they've been missing. Nobody has made this next generation of hey, this is what it's gonna be. This is what it comes. This is what follows year after year after year. I had Teddy and all those guys, and then when I left, it had it was Curtis, and when Curtis left, it was Travis. I mean, it, it was just a lot of guys, and it just slowly got a little bit and a little bit away from that. But now they kind of getting going in the other direction, though. So it's gonna be exciting. I can't wait to see the rest of the year with how these guys respond.
2: Yeah, and with all that, I mean, we we've kind of talked about the offense a little bit already. We talked about Jalen Hurts' uh, turnovers. They stunk, man. They stunk. They were they were bad. They were they, they were. It's incredible that OU had two red zone turnovers. Texas didn't have one turnover. OU has two red zone turnovers, and they win a game. Yes, by seven points. But it was a game that was well in hand.
1: Um, right in the fourth quarter. Oh, did you guys? Did you guys see my my story on Friday? I wrote it the the Uh-oh. franchise the franchise. Okay, the winner of this game is going to be the better team in the red zone. The winner of this game <laughs> is going to be the dominant team on third down. OU was bad in the red zone and they were not good on third down. Three of twelve. Well, how about that for some predictions? I mean, I pulled two Damn. things that I think are amazing statistics. Uh, the winner of this game will be the one who who has the the advantage in turnovers. I missed on all three. It's incredible <laughs> went, how they, oh, how dominant they were.
3: I went straight defense on that one. I went straight defense. I was like, well, that was the easy route to go. This is the defensive route. Yeah, <laughs> because OU is an offensive anomaly sometimes because they can they have big plays and then they play poorly on the third down, and and that was how they how they played this game. They were very poor on third down, uh, but. We said they played terrible one in their down game. I mean, what they had like four hundred some yards of offense in this game.
1: Yeah, I Oklahoma believe. I had five hundred
3: eleven. Oh,
1: five
3: hundred eleven. Yeah, yeah. So they have five hundred eleven yards. I mean, um, that's just that's crazy because because you would look at it and you say, man, they're having a down game. I don't think that's you know they're not playing very well. And you would think that oh, OU kind of lost this game or was very like it was just this the way the offense played, but. They put up a bunch of numbers. C.D. Yeah. Lamb put on some Houdini-type moves out yeah. there. He did some really good things. Um, and I, I, just, I just think the play calling was bad. I don't think the offense – I mean, I think Jalen Hurts made two big mistakes. He had some other passes that was pretty bad as well. But I think the play calling is really kind of what hampered the the offense. I think when they were in the red zone, you go three passes in a row and don't give the offensive line a chance to punch it in with a run. Kind of kind of shocking to me. But you know, that's you. why they play. That's why I didn't play uh, Lincoln Rother, the
1: big bucks. <laughs> yeah, and then don't forget my statistic about the uh, the quarterback who's never played in this game before. It's okay, losing, losing to the quarterback who played who has played in this game before. It's now three fourteen and one is the quarterbacks. Because he
2: played in the Iron Bowl, John. You
1: know that. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, turnovers I, against Auburn, turnovers <laughs> against
3: Texas.
2: What's, what's the difference? I think. I yeah, think. You
3: realize how crazy that that stadium was, though. I'm telling you, it affected him a little bit because it's always constant chaos. No matter what side of the field you're on, it, it's constant. There's never a quiet moment in in the field in the game. That's and that's very unique.
2: It, it was rocking, guys. Like um, I, the first OU Texas game I went to was 2015. Baker's first OU Texas when oh, OU lost. Then I went to uh, the 2016. I believe it was the next year. I went to 2016. OU won 45 to 40. Um, but the, you know those two games, there were a lot of OU fans on the Texas side of the stadium. Like Texas fans were not coming in droves. Texas fans did not go into that stadium with the utmost confidence that their team would beat OU. Like OU was the complete and utter favorite for obvious reasons. This was the first OU Texas game that I've been to in person where. It was it was loud on every single play, and like if Jalen Hurts like, there is no way Jalen Hurst didn't feel it because I felt it, and it, in a game where OU relatively controlled things throughout, I was still like on pin, like just oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like there was such an energy in the stadium, and it was it was good to see that kind of return to the Cotton Bowl after the last decade of Texas being so at best average. So, but with Jalen, I think thus far. It, we can categorize those turnovers as completely and utterly atypical. Now he could very well, that could become a theme moving forward. I hope not. But at this point from what he's done, they're, they're atypical of what he's able to do. But I thought a lot of his bigger mistakes were just him simply missing guys wide the hell open. Wide open? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 Bass, the, Nate Baskin, for yeah, instance. Yeah. That Rainbow, it, was, it, was, it was that run where he uh, fumbled. He had a, a lot of green grass in front of him and he picked up like what, 28 yards, got, and got hit and fumbled. Nick Basquin was wide the hell open. Texas like just lost him. He was just alone in the end zone and all Jalen had to do was simply look at him and then he could have thrown it left handed. It would have been a complete completed touchdown pass. So I
3: mean, like, and the other one, I mean, he gets Rambo in the end zone on an easy touchdown and he throws the ball in the dirt.
2: Yeah, bad throw.
3: Rambo has to try to do a has to had to try to do like some miracle catch in the end zone to get his hands underneath the ball. That was another one that was, you know, a little bit different.
2: And even the uh, wheel route that he ended up throwing to Trey Sermon, uh, he overthrew him, and it was almost kind of picked off because he waited so long. But if he had seen him earlier, Trey Trey was wide open.
3: Yeah, he had he had a bunch of other routes where he took his time. He took a little bit longer to release the ball. A few of them, one of them to C D Lamb, where he had to. He waited. He threw it to him at the last minute where he was opening a window where he had a lot more field to where he could make moves on guys. But he threw it a little bit late. But he's that's, that's been him. He's getting he's getting better, though. I can say he's getting better, but he also needs to start trusting the reads more. And I think he's getting there as well. And he's starting to kind of loosen up a little bit because you can yep. say he's loosened up by the way he went through that ball. He went the way he threw that ball in the end zone across his body. He's kind of that's yeah. almost like a <laughs> Baker Mayfield take risk kind of play.
1: I was going to say, if we're, if we can see that receiver pop open and you, you can just imagine Lincoln Riley's probably all bundled up saying, ah, oh, just, he's right there. You know, he's probably thinking, hit him. He's ro-. if we can see that, it, maybe it's because we've been spoiled by elite quarterback, all time quarterback play the last four years. Maybe it's and hard. J- <laughs> and maybe yeah, Baker made it made it look easy, and Kyler made it look easy. Maybe it's not as easy as those guys made it look. Maybe Jalen is more of a, of a regular. You know, he, he's a hell of a player. But in he's terms a of, run first
3: guy. Those guys yeah, were is.
1: like pass
3: first. Uh-huh. I'm a see in, I'm a run in case I if I really really have to. I'm a run, but I'm a pass first by any means necessary guy, and I'm going to run at the last minute when I have to. I'm yeah. not trying to take a lot of runs.
2: And with Kyler's Speed, you'd think that he would be a run-first guy, but he he, there were so many plays where he would just backpedal in the pocket, jump around with his elusive agility, and just scan the field. That's what made him so special as a passer, and that's why he's winning games now in the NFL with the, the one of the worst teams that I've ever seen in the Arizona Cardinals. But, yeah, with Jalen, and this is kind of like me trying to – move past a little bit of the Texas game and looking forward to like West Virginia, Baylor, all these other teams down the road that OU is going to have to face in the big 12. I mean, is Jalen simply like seeing his first read covered and then immediately thinking, I've got to take off now is him. Mis- what he- is him missing guys wide open? Is, is that simply put is him missing guys wide open? Can that lose OU a game? Just think about yeah. all the other weapons they have on offense Think about the way the defense now has a lot of confidence, and if they keep building on that, and they don't fall off a cliff anytime soon, like is that enough to lose OU a game? Yeah,
3: I I, I think it is. I mean you you can't you can't miss on those easy throws like that. You can't miss the easy throws like that. You can't you can't to where you can have a touchdown or you get just just get a first down. Guys, the good teams, the Alabama's, they don't bust coverage all the time like that. They don't make those mistakes. So whenever they do make those mistakes, you have to capitalize on those mistakes yeah. as well. And if he's going to be a guy where his first read is over and he sees a second read is wide open, but decides he's going to take off, that's not a good. That's not a a good thing for him to do. That's not a good habit for him to do. But um, but guys, I'm gonna have to get off right here. Um, I have to get into here and get the get my kiddos and stuff. But I oh yeah, go I be a dad. Talking to you guys. I enjoy talking to you guys on the podcast, and man, love this Sooner team. I love the way they're going. Uh, Jalen Hurts has to go. He's going to, I think he's going to come back and have a monster game against West Virginia. I don't know if they're going to have Austin Kendall, and their defense is terrible, also. So it should be a fun, <laughs> wild game for homecoming for OU.
2: Should be a fun 11 a.m. kickoff. Thank you, Rufus. Go be a dad.
1: See you, Rufus. See you.
2: Yeah. Um, and I guess, John, I'll, I'll keep you on here for just a, a little bit longer, but. Um... Yeah, West Virginia, I don't, like, I'm a crazy, crazy Sooner fan, so I'm going to think that OU, OU could have, like, when OU played South Dakota, I wasn't completely convinced that everything was going to go swimmingly. I still had a lot of doubt in the back of my mind, and West Virginia is a program that will always have enough talent to win seven or eight games a year. Um, now, in recent history, they've had, Little to no success against OU in any way, shape, or form. But um, I, like, did uh, did West did West Virginia even announce if Austin Kendall is going to play? Like, were you at the Big Twelve tele- teleconference? Uh,
1: so on Monday, Neil Brown said that he's questionable. I don't think there's been any updates as of today, Tuesday.
2: I, uh, I mean, I'm going to expect him to play. It's it's West Virginia's. That's their best chance, but even then, yeah. Do, do you think? Do you think West Virginia really even needs to play him because Lincoln Riley obviously knows how Austin Kendall ticks?
1: Mm. No, I mean if he's your best quarterback, he needs to play regardless of what his previous coach knows about him. Um, it's a, it's a, it was billed as, I guess. They were looking at. At first, somebody said it was his shoulder, and then said no. They came out and said no. It's not his shoulder. It was his chest. It was a chest area. So like a bruce sternum or something like that. Maybe maybe a rib or something like that. I'm not sure. But uh, no, if he's if he's your be- if he's your best guy, that's the guy you got to go with. Uh, Jack Allison. I was I watched a little bit of that game last night. Uh, boy, you talk about missing some open receivers. He was scuffling a little bit. So if uh, no, I think uh, if he's at all. The possibility, and plus guy, man, come on, he's had his he has it he's had this game circled on his calendar forever, and he you talk about somebody that wants to be excited to play against the Oklahoma defense. this is his big shot, he's gonna give it everything he's got,
2: yeah, unfortunately, for him, Kerry Cooks is coaching the secondary, so uh no, I'm just kidding um now it it's again, like I kind of want to go back'cause uh Rufus answered the question, you didn't necessarily get a chance to answer it, but uh. Like Jalen's inability to scan the field, and I say inability because this is what we this has been become a theme about him. He can make those improvements, and he's made subtle improvements and gotten better here and there as a passer over the season. But like I don't know if him missing wide open guys can necessarily lose OU a game because typically when he misses a guy wide open, he's still running eight, ten, twelve yards downfield. Like it's not what you ideally want because then you have instead of scoring immediately. You've got another, you know, few plays to either succeed or what OU did against Texas, fail and turn the ball over because him turning the ball over is atypical, but I, it's just he's on the precipice and it's starting to freak me out because on Saturday that was the first time where I I I went with my cousin who's a Texas fan and I kind of looked over to him and said, "Jalen might lose us a game this year if he keeps if he keeps this up."
1: Now that's interesting. I leaned over to the guy sitting next to me uh, and said, "We will not be going to New York City this year uh, to cover a Heisman Trophy threepeat." Um, I, I, I just think he's.
2: There's been so many other like great players this year. I mean,
1: well, yeah, Joe two, Burrow is Joe playing Burrow at a is level. incredible. Two is incredible. Justin Fields is on that list. Jonathan um, Taylor at Wisconsin
2: is in the running like there's just been so much and and those guys can have two or three bad games then Jalen can get right back into it of course like it's not over but right. like yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying because i was kind of on the same wavelength
1: yeah he he's if he's turning the football over if he's careless or loose with the football is one thing if he's missing receivers missing put the potential for big plays or big touchdowns long touchdowns heisman moments so to speak um, I, I do think that matters. I think it's uh, I don't know if it'll be enough to lose them a football game, but I got to believe uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State coming up on uh, what is that? November 9th. That game's in Norman. A repeat from two, two years ago when it was Lincoln Riley's first first loss of his career. Uh, and they were 30 point favorites. You better believe Matt Campbell's going to have something drawn up defensively. For Jalen Hurts and the quarterback run game, and um, you know, but whether it's a drop eight, if Kyler Murray struggled and and um, Baker Mayfield struggled against the 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 Iowa State drop eight, I can't imagine what that Jalen Hurts is going to be have a have a whole ton of success against that defense.
2: That's going to be a game. I I can see that now. That's going to be a game where Lincoln Riley just says, "You know what? Go ahead and power quarterback rush this team off the field. They don't have the they don't have the physicality or the horses."
1: Say it again. I said I I thought he said that every Saturday, anyway.
2: Uh, Yeah,
1: I, I just I don't I I don't know if you. (laughs) Trace Sermon doesn't need any carries. CD Lamb doesn't need any catches. Grant Calcaterra doesn't need any catches. Go ahead and just you know let's single wing that. That was so weird. That was so weird about Trace Sermon
2: because it it wasn't just that he it wasn't just that he um, didn't get any carries. It got to a point in the game, John, where um, like he, he's by far their best blocking running back, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. On out, obvious passing downs, like one of them in particular where Texas overloaded blitzed um, on the right side, and Jalen had to rush the throw to CeeDee Lamb, and they ended, it was on a third down, and they had to punt. I think it was their first drive of the third quarter. Kennedy Brooks is out there. that That's a down where you need Trey Sermon out there securing the, the blitzer and securing the block. That to me was more like shocking. Like, is he hurt? But he played here and there, but he just wasn't on. He wasn't on a- obvious formations, obvious downs that he would yeah. typically play. And so it was just weird. It was just a weird offensive game.
1: I had uh, Keegan Renault on my podcast uh, that actually drops tomorrow. We talked about it yesterday, and it drops tomorrow. But. Um, that's by the way, locked on Sooners podcast. That's the other one that I'm on. <laughs> uh, um, Keegan said that he was watching him watching replay on film. And, and, you know, he said the, the running backs will in the shotgun, they'll get down in a set formation, hands on knees, and they'll be scanning. He said that, um, Trey sermon was basically standing straight up, up upright. And I saw him running on a on a route one time. And I saw him engaging, you know, the pass rush on, in the blocking formation. Doesn't he, he's not hurt. And you know Lincoln Riley said it just—that's the way the carries shook out. That's the way the structure of the game happened, and it's real competitive in the backfield.
2: He's not 100. I'm not.
1: I'm not convinced that that Lincoln Riley is just like, oh yeah, we, we forgot uh, to get Trey, Trey Sermon some carries. Now something's wrong with him, uh, but not wrong enough to keep him off the field, which is uh, adds to the bizarreness of it all.
2: I mean, if he's standing upright, that's a back thing. If he's not bending bending over in any way. Or, like, like even on an obvious passing play, like I described, where he has to block somebody, that takes a lot of, lot of back muscle to basically stand in the ground like a statue and make sure your guy doesn't push you backwards. So, yeah, like, it, it was so odd. And, you know, even on top of that, on a positive standpoint, we all know what Jalen Hurts was able to do on the ground rushing the football. He broke a Cotton Bowl OU Texas record for a quarterback rushing, which... Is still like that's the second time that I've been shocked that that's been a, a stat because what the UCLA game he rushed for the most yards in the first quarter of any OU quarterback in history. Mm-hmm. A program with thousands of
1: great wishbone quarterbacks 176 one, against Houston was the second most in OU history.
2: Yeah, and now with the OU Texas rushing quarterback stat record, whatever we want to call it, still a program with thousands of great wishbone running uh, quarterbacks that played in this game. And Jalen Hurts still beat them in that in that department, like just incredible.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a. I think it speaks to uh, the the you know four receiver formations and the the spread spread offense defenses. You know, defenses now playing de- five defensive backs as a rule. Um, so so there's a little bit of that going on. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the previous record for a college quarterback in the Cotton Bowl was held by once by, by one Vince young in 2003, 127 yards. So that's uh that's pretty heady company for Jalen hurts.
2: Jeez. It's, it's really a testament to like, and I kind of talked about it earlier and this will be the last thing we talk about, John, cause I know you're busy and, and you're either busy or you need to go take a nap because you already <laughs> said it. You've got another podcast that you do every day, which is great. I mean, I'm glad you're doing locked on Sooners. Um, You've got everything that you're writing for. You're writing for sporting news for the franchise. Okay, you've done such a great job putting There's out content. A, one
1: way to stay and that's busy. Yeah,
2: all your YouTube content so great. Um, like I, I'm feeling it right now. I just I worked the uh, Thunder Mavericks game in Dallas last night. I stayed in I stayed in Dallas over the weekend after the Texas game, and um, I got home. Like if you can't tell by the way I'm talking, like I got home like at 4:30 in the morning <laughs> and um, went woke up and. Went up to Chisholm Holland's house um, to go podcast for O K C eighty two for Thunder stuff. Did some more Thunder stuff at the arena today and like I'm just I'm beat. <laughs> it's that time of year for both yeah, of us. Yeah,
1: catches catches up with you for sure, and especially when you start throwing in that uh... Basketball, football crossover. <laughs> um, I can imagine it really catches you hard. So yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we're we're halfway. We're at the halfway point of the season of the football season, the regular season. I know um, first, seven weeks, six
2: games. So first time OU has been six and oh since two thousand eleven. They That's lost. Crazy. They lost their seventh game that year, which was to Texas Tech at home. It ended the home streak. And if OU beats West Virginia, I believe this is the first time they'll be seven and O since two thousand four when they finished the year undefeated before yeah. getting, before getting USC would and we don't need to talk about that
1: but that was my first year on the beat 2004 so uh, that's 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 so hard it was to imagine your fault
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I, I was a good luck charm there for 13 <laughs> weeks oh man
2: so, 13 how old was i uh 14 year old brady he had a, a sad day that night um, <laughs> but you you and
1: mark bradley <laughs> oh, Mark. I, I just... How, why? Why? He was such a great player, <clears throat> and his story was amazing. Yes. You know, Danny's son, and he was a walk-on from Pine Bluff, or, or Little Rock, I guess.
2: Tore his ACL early in his Tore, OU career yeah. and was and still the fastest guy on the team when he yeah, came back. Yeah,
1: it was so dynamic, and along with... I uh, would mention this previously, along with uh, uh, Jason White saved the Texas A&M game. I mean... He was fantastic and for that to happen to him for him to make that decision on that punt return. Uh yeah, it's did, tough. Did you tough. guys talk to him what, after that small. game? Um we did. As I recall we did. Yeah.
2: What was it? I I don't even remember any quotes or any visual of him after the game. I guess Yeah,
1: I- um I remember I remember Bob Stoops saying in the post-game press conference, that's as bad as it gets. That's little league stuff right there. Um, and we were all just shocked, like, "Oh my God!" Bob Stoops just threw one of his players under the bus. Uh, That's how. That's how actually damaging that that play was. Is it made Stoops come off his his uh, protective uh, bubble and say, "Yeah, no, that's that's the worst play that's ever happened."
2: Well, let's get out of the USC
1: game real quick before it gets too dark oh, in here. But, People are hanging up on us right now. Uh, <laughs> click, click, click. Don't do that. We're going to finish on a high note.
2: Yeah, here's here's the high note. The offensive line, like I, I kind of already talked about it, um, the offensive line played their best game of the year. And there were a few plays where can, uh, the pocket got broken. Um, Jalen Hurts was able to make a lot of plays um, without, the, without the protection in the pocket anyway because he's a supreme athlete. Um, but... Swinson played, Adrian Ely played after a lot of, I guess, showmanship or uh, gamesmanship,
1: whatever you want to call it from Lincoln Riley. Um, he, I, he did say that they didn't practice all week and yeah. he wasn't sure how much they would be available. And it yeah. was like a miracle cure is like, uh, you know, somebody, the Wizard of Oz came along in his traveling uh, trailer and said, uh, here, drink this. <laughs> And they were magically healed.
2: Yeah, and like, look, I told you last week. I had a feeling ever since Adrian Ely was out for the first time. Okay, he'll be fine for Texas. Just the way it went down, the way that Lincoln Riley talked about it. Because um, it, that was just my gut feeling. I had nothing to go off of other than a gut feeling. So I was shocked that Swinson was out there. And knowing what we kind of know now that they're st- they're playing through injury, as Lincoln Riley described it in the post game with you guys. Yeah, um, it out, he said. I am I am I am shocked that they played their best game against Texas. Like a lot of things that I was afraid of, especially from um Swenson, like I gotta give it up to Swenson because I've done nothing but trash him this yeah. um um since we've been doing this podcast. I thought that he was going to be the weak link that could potentially lose OU this game because Texas would see how he if you put anybody up against him with speed, he doesn't have the lateral quickness to do anything about it, and it was going to kill Jalen Hurts. He'd probably fumble a ball or two in, in the in the backfield, and it would snowball from there. But, man, like he, he came to play. He proved me wrong. I'm going to shut up about him at, at least for a week. But I, hopefully this is something that he builds off of because typically, John, with Bill Bedenboe breaking in new offensive lines since he's been at OU, the Texas game has been the game where OU would lose – and then the offensive line would have their come-to-Jesus moment and then become like solidified units for the next two years. Now they beat Texas. They played their best game of the year. Can we expect just solidified betterness now?
1: <laughs> well, I think so, and especially if um, if those guys stay healthy, if they all five are able to finish the season, I think you'll see a ton of improvement moving forward out of the Oklahoma offensive line, and you'd think... Or I guess if you're an OU fan, you'd like to think that, you know, they rolled a couple of uh, guys out there at 70% health and still dominated. You'd like to think that's because Texas' defense is so terrible. But the reality is all those injuries that they had against Oklahoma State, all those injuries that they had Saturday, I think they're down to like 12 different guys on the defense have been injured at some point or another. It's catching up with them. That, that, That offensive line played so well. One of the reasons was they were playing against a bunch of guys who, weren't ready for to play in the OU Texas game because of all those injuries.
2: Yeah, it's – again, I'm just – I'm shocked in a good way at what I saw. And, you know, th- there were still a handful of plays that you kind of – you're left wanting a little bit more, of course. And that's going to happen because this offensive line is still trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. it's not – offensive line play is not something you figure out a month into a season with a bunch of new guys, and especially with a unit that has had a different starting lineup – you know what five games in a row and then was this the first time that we've seen a, a starting lineup that had previously started a different a, a previous game Do, if yep, that makes that sense that is correct
1: okay. that okay. is this this is the second lineup of this starting five and i don't think it'll be the last i think uh you'll see this you know assuming everybody stays healthy you'll definitely see this the rest of the year
2: I hope so, because um, as, ba- as bad as we've kind of trashed Lincoln Riley's play calling and as much as we said that the offense was like, it was a weird offensive game. They still, C.D. Lamb became a OU Texas legend um, huh. with 10 catches, 170 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, Kennedy Brooks rushes for over 100 yards. Jalen Hurts rushes for over 100 yards. And you go back to the old Bob Stoops philosophy of whoever runs the ball the best in this game wins. And that 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 occurred. That occurred once again. Oh, you ran the ball better, even though when you when you look at when you're watching the game live, you're not thinking, oh, he's killing them on the ground. So they're going to win. It was it, you just it was one of those games where you just look up at the box score at the end and just realize, wow, this offense is so damn good that we're numb to it. Even when they underperform they're they break records.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um and, and if you think about it for a second, uh CD Lamb, he won the uh, he, he was Big 12 player of the week, 10 catches, 171 yards and those three touchdowns. He was also the uh, Walter Camp National Player of the Week and the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose National Player of the Week, which is you have to have Texas ties and playing against Texas for a kid from Richmond, Texas to come to OU and that just underscores How many guys at OU don't get offered by Texas or they get offered maybe but they're not real priorities for the Longhorns and they come to Oklahoma or they go to Oklahoma State or they go to another school and they just stick it in Texas's face. It's got to be such a good feeling for C.D. Lamb to to, to do that in this game against the Longhorns in that stadium. Just a remarkable performance.
2: Remarkable, remarkable, remarkable. Order has been restored. OU defeats texas and now they move forward to being uh hopefully being 7-0 for the first time since like i said i think 2004 i think that that's correct um if they defeat west virginia but uh, john i'll let you get out here so you can either get rest or get some more work done put some more content out like you always do but um we'll get together hopefully thursday or friday at least for a pre-game pod talking about west virginia a little bit more in depth but until then uh john thank you so much All
1: right, Brady. Thanks, man.
2: No problem. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. Um, Apologies for no uh, pregame pod or postgame pod um, this past week for OU Texas, but I drove down Friday thinking that I would have time to um, podcast with John and Rufus. A three-hour drive from Norman to Dallas took six and a half hours because of traffic. (laughs) I was angry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's just say I did not want to podcast something ab- about something that I was incredibly nervous about. So apologies, everybody will, um, I'll try to be a little bit better. Um,
1: got a plan for OU Texas traffic there, man.
2: I thought I did. I, I left it. <laughs> I left it. Um, I left it a good time and I I've gone down there during bad travel days and that, and this was ridiculous. I'll just say it was, it was utterly ridiculous. There were wrecks. Hey, next,
1: year, next year you can take the, t- take the train. The Heartland Flyer in the Fort Worth.
2: I've always wanted to do that. um, So have I. Our mutual friend, Kara Rice, um, who used to work with us at the franchise, um, she did it, I think, two or three years ago. And I've heard nothing but glowing reviews and good stories about her and her experience on that thing.
1: Uh, Sure would alleviate traffic. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
2: Um, But, yeah, everything will get taken care of, including my travel. So uh, rest assured, everybody, thank you so much. But, um, yeah, for Mr. John Hoover and Rufus Alexander, this is Brady Trantham, and you've been listening to the Inside OU Podcast. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later.
0: Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at BradyDoesSports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at TheFranchiseOK.com. Follow him on Twitter, at John E. Hoover, and be sure to catch all of his radio callings throughout the week on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.